0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarrua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarrua elders, both past and present.
1: for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew Johns. Tights a little hole himself. He's close, he right. reaches out, that's a try to Andrew Johns. Bruce break from the little halfback and that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew Johns scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night.
0: Coming to you live from Warramai and Wannerula lands, it's the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sports best friends podcasting network brought to you by your friends, Bredo and the K-Dog. Ladies and gentlemen, it may well be the off season, but if you know one thing about being a rugby league fan, nay, a Newcastle Knights fan, it's that you are a Newcastle Knights fan 365 days of the year. There's been so much to talk about since the men's and the women's comps ended. The draws have hit the hit. The tra- players are back in training again. Uh, we've had the international window open and shut. And we thought we could think of nothing better to do with our spare time than to throw the uh, headphones on, turn the mics on, and have a chat about all things rugby league, in particular, the Newcastle Knights. Bretto, how are you travelling? since grand final 2023 um finished uh it feels it's funny it feels like a lifetime ago um probably so much has happened in rugby league but um it, it was a, I mean, a few weeks ago for us now uh, how are you traveling mate how's how's life treating you good mate i've
1: just started to hit the the footy show for the first month after the footy season i was Cool with no footy. Now the international stuff doesn't really interest me much, mm. but I've just started to, as as the players are filtered back to training. I've just started to feel the itch.
0: I feel like the NRL have uh, kicked a few goals uh, this time around because one of the criticisms of, of of the NRL or the NRL administration used to be that they didn't know how to keep uh, rugby league in in that sort of media spotlight you know, saturation all year round. It was almost like they'd have the grand final. Yeah, you might have a couple of internationals, but then there'd be nothing. But I feel like the NRL have gotten really better at making sure that there's something to talk about in rugby league that, you know, doesn't involve um, criminal court cases, uh, you know, all all year round. And... Sometimes oversaturation has a tendency to exhaust you, but I feel like they're they're really finding the balance really good at the moment. Like they're just keeping those interest levels in the NRL um, at a really good level for um, twelve months of the year.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think the NRL have been smart in the sense that obviously you know Fox and all that overdo their crap, but the NRL, being, <laughs> NRL have been quite smart in that they've. Um, you're right. They just put a snippet out a week, mm. just just something to capture you know, to capture your interest. And then and the clubs have done a really good job of once the players have started to come back, really smashing those socials with the pitches. And once you see, you know, the boys with their shirts off and the, the running happening, you, you know, you're starting to get the feel in your loins, don't you? What,
0: what, uh, uh, obviously, there's a fair amount of uh, excitement from either of these two things. But which, are you, which gave you more excitement? Was it the players coming back to training or was it the 2024 um, draws for the NRL and the NRLW dropping uh, during the week? Ah, uh, the the draws because just mm. just because it, it, it
1: we all do We sit down and go, yeah, I'm going to that one, I'm going to that one. You know, that's the <laughs> exciting thing. And then, and then once you've done that, then you sit down and you map out. Okay, how do we find a top four amount of points here? You know, where, <laughs> where are our wins coming from? And and that's you once the once the weather gets real hot and we're all stuck inside in the, in the air con, I'll be doing more and more of that, just mapping out how our season plays out to get us a minor premiership.
0: Mate, the well, let's let's just jump straight into it. The draw uh, did drop uh, earlier in the week. You know, it's a funny one, mate. Um, I, lo- I I love that siege mentality that comes with being a Newcastle Knights fan, where the world's against us. You know, the media hates us. Um, you know, everybody hates KP. Or you know, the, the NRL don't do us any favours with the reffing. I've got to be honest with you though. When it comes to the draw, aside from the the specific scheduling uh, each round, which we'll get to. But in terms of opposition, you know, from one year to the next, I, I never get the feeling like that the NRL, you know, dump a, a, a draw on a substantive leaf with the opponents that we have that's going to make it harder for us based on, you know, who we've played this year in the next season. you know what i mean i never feel like that's oh well they've loaded they've loaded us up with um uh, two games against all of this season's top 4 like generally speaking i always feel like the draw from an op- an opposition perspective is usually fairly fair to the newcastle knights
1: yeah absolutely i think you know i think we're probably slightly above par on that you know i think our draw is slightly always slightly on the easier side, we're not canali, you know, we're not getting dolly draws. but And that's simply because and the draw is unfair, you know. Your big clubs, your Souths, your Roosters, your Melbournes, you know, because of the TV deals, they play each other twice every year. And that's, you know, it's not fair on them. But that's how they are. and They like that because they get their big games, they get their money from it. Um, Yeah, so I, I don't think the, the draw ever really treats us um, unfairly, and this year's another one. You know, it's not an easy draw, but it's certainly not hard. I think I think our uh, draw this year begins pretty pretty okay. Not you know, it's I'm never going to say easy, but it's pretty okay. And it does get harder as the year goes on. The one thing we generally don't get is we don't get a lot of luck over Origin. You know, we're not drawing Penrith without you know an Origin week where they got no one playing and that sort of thing. But other than
0: that, you know, the draw is always pretty good to us. Uh, It's a funny thing about rugby league. I mean, rugby league has always been built on two things, broadcasting and pokies. Um, But it's funny what you say about the broadcasting thing as well. In a lot of ways, the Knights... What well, how do I say? We're victims to our own lack of success because, as you said, you don't get the big games if you're not performing at a standard. But the word that we're that we're getting this year is that you know the Knights showed something this year, particularly that uh, second half of the men's season, where the broadcaster's like, we've got something here that we can work with, and I feel like we've got again the the opposition is the opposition, but. It, my read on this is that Channel Nine is appearing a lot more in our schedule this year, and and that is usually that those are usually the games that indicate yeah that these are the ones that are going to bring in the viewers. It's a bit of a feather in the team's cap.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think that Channel Nine really like you know we had that run of Sunday games that they had with those sell out crowds. Yeah, and Channel Nine really played off that you know with a lot of their social content too you know a lot of their Sunday footy show content was from the stadium you know already half full blah blah blah, that sort of stuff and I really think that Channel 9 yeah we, we don't draw massive eyes on TV compared to some of the big clubs but the pictures from Newcastle on a Sunday afternoon with full stands you know the noise that's what Channel 9 want to try and put on the TV
0: for the neutral
1: and I think we really help them with that.
0: Well, funnily enough, uh, because, you know, it's not going to be repeated next year, but um, that uh, Dom Young try against the Raiders um, off the Tyson Gamble sort of pick up and run. Like that was probably one of the more iconic um, tries of the season, if only because of the involvement of the crowd and the atmosphere that that entire sort of uh, picture captured.
1: Yeah, and I also think that it's... Um, I always sort of wondered to myself, where does Joey fit into their commentary thing? You know, like, he's sort of, he's not the new generation, you know, he's not a Cameron Smith, a Billy Slater, new generation for the younger fan guy. You know, he's not, um, you know, he's not a, 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 I certainly wouldn't class him, you know, as a, as a great co-commentator. You know, he's not a Sterlo, but where does, jo- I always wonder where Joey fits in. Joey fits in at Newcastle on Sunday. When, when you do in the background, Yahoo and have carrying on, and the entire commentary team are in a good mood because Joey's going off,
0: mm. and
1: I really think that Channel Nine really sort of saw something there, and they're exploiting
0: it next year, which is good, mate. We, um, I think, it says a lot about where the Newcastle Knights have come come from to where we are now that we're sort of used to, you know, the, the, the sort of five o'clock Saturday, or unfortunately, historically, a 6 p.m. Friday kickoff. What do you read into the Thursday night round one kickoff? Because I know we don't kick off the season. Obviously, the Vegas trip is happening. But for me, in a lot of ways, you know, that first game in Australia on the Thursday night, that's really when the footy season feels like it starts. So I feel like it's quite an honour that the Knights have been given an opportunity to host the first game in Australia to kick off season 2024. Yeah, and I think
1: that's why the NRL made the draw. You know, obviously the the game of the finals last year till the grand final was Canberra versus Newcastle, mm. and that was that was. The, and I think that's why the draw. And Then obviously we heard the Channel Nine weren't super happy because they obviously wanted to you go know, a big team on that Thursday night, but it couldn't be changed because of the motocross on the Saturday at MJS. Mm. But I think that it's a real feather in our cap. You're right that the first game in Australia, the NRL thought, "Fuck it." Gotta put the Knights there. Gotta put an MJS. It'll if a Thursday night because it's opening week, it'll it'll be it'll be twenty five thousand because it's the opening game. Mm. Um yeah, to me that's that's just and it's just smart business. Like you put another team there, it might be it might be a team like the Roosters, which are a big name, although they're in Vegas anyway, but they're only gonna draw fifteen thousand, you know. Mm. Have a, have a full stadium on your opening night. It just makes sense.
0: Mate, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, I, I want to talk about those opening five games, and we sort of—it's a funny one because we've got that ha ha h sort of start to the uh, season. So home to the Raiders, away to the Cowboys, home to the Storm, away to the Warriors, and we'll get to that one uh, fairly quickly. But then we host the Dragons uh, in round five. Now, obviously, you always need to be careful, and particularly in those early rounds about making too much of the past season's form carrying into the next season's form. Because, you know, those opening couple of months, anything's possible. Yeah, particularly when it comes to the Dragons, they love to be March and April champions and then fade away. So um, I, I don't think anybody would be looking in that draw going, great, I'm looking forward to going into round six, being five wins and and um, no losses. But having said that... Um, Based on the season that we've just seen there, the Knights sh- certainly shouldn't be going into any of those games thinking that they're not a chance. They should be looking at all of those games going, uh, we can, we have a level of play that we know we're capable of, where we can bring a really good game, um, we can bring really good play, and we should back ourselves to win all of them.
1: Yeah, we start favouring most of those games. You know, looking you know before the, any forms hit the board, we certainly start favouring most of those games. Even Melbourne at home, we probably won't start favourites, but I'd be fairly confident. You know, that we're a good chance there. Um, no, that's that's not is that's not at, at the absolute worst a three and two start. Yeah, it's a it's a
0: real disappointment. But it should be four. It should be four and one really. Uh, look, I, and I've I've sort of come a long way when it comes to how you start a season. I don't think you can win a comp at the start of the season, but I think you can definitely lose it um, in terms and of – And we almost did. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. So when you're five and nine and you need to win ten, ten in a row to, to you know, be pushing for that top six for our home five, you don't want to be doing that. But I, no. I, I look at those ones going, if we can win, we should be aiming to win all of our home games there. And if we can jag an away win there as well, that'd be great. But I wouldn't be too unhappy if we won all of our home games, lost all of our away games to start the season, because then, you know, if we can get, um, you know, finally win a game at home against the Roosters again in round six, four and two going into the rest of the season really sets us up to um, to, uh, be able to manage the rest of the season well.
1: Yeah, and in the Adam O'Brien interview with Barry too, he sort of talked about how the preseason was set around a um uh, preseason of, you know, working into the season. Too many times he sort of felt by the middle of the season we were cooked. And it turned out that way, obviously, you know, we came home like a train. But I think the KP Kikasha thing threw last season off. So we we'll probably 100%. so we're we'll probably two wins behind where we probably would have been if KP didn't get his issue, which would seven and seven, and then the run. You know, we're we're laughing. We're top four material. You know, mm. it, was, it was just because of the KP stuff, five and nine. You know, you're really behind it. But if we can, if we can get to round twelve, uh, and we're looking at maybe even six and six, but certainly seven and
0: five, and we're we're right there. Mm. I'm I'm just talking about these things as they sort of pop into my head. I'm I i do not we haven't really put too much sort of. Uh, in, in place by way of a plan. I want to talk to you about the buy rounds because I thought I thought the buy rounds sort of worked not against us, but I just thought they gave us a bit of a disjointed season. And I think it revolved predominantly around the fact that we had they decided straight up, well, the Knights are not going to magic round. So I think once they put that rod for our back in terms of, right, well, you have to have a buy, I think it was round 10 this year, it sort of throughout the rest of the season because we, we we sort of had a three and a four block stint and then these two big stints at the beginning and end to sort of you know um, uh, that that's the way the season played out. This year we've next year sorry we've landed with um, buys in round twelve, round sixteen, and round twenty one. So really, what that gives us is those two blocks in the middle of four and five. I oh, sorry, three. Sorry, three and four games again. How do you feel about the buys mate? Because I'm I'm hoping that what the club did was learn a bit from this year. I'm looking forward to the coverage of our first buy in round 12 where the boys are allowed to go on holidays to see how the the media covers that. Um, but are you happy with where the buys have sort of landed? Do you, do you think that's going to shoot impact on us too much?
1: Yeah, no, I like it. I like the big stretch at the start because the the, the players are ready to go. So you know, I to me, the biggest disadvantage is having an early buyer. and we haven't we haven't drawn one of those yet, which is great because I I think that it's complete. You get in the first five weeks, especially, it's a wasted buy. It's absolutely wasted. Mm-hmm. I much prefer the idea of you know doing well. As I, I said, twelve games, but eleven games, and if we can go to the eleven games, six and five, um, you know, have to have a week off, and and I think it'll be the same next next year. We'll um, that'll be the weekend to go away for the boys because yeah. then we have then we have match round. And when we first come back, and then we have the buyers, you know, fairly quick at origins around the corner and blah, blah, blah. So I think it'll be the same sort of idea. The idea of that last buy being 21 slightly later is a, is a good thing. Mm. Um, Yeah, no, I, I think the buys have been okay to us. And As I said, I don't mind the idea of um having the buy, then you know, the boys getting, you know, say maybe, you know, eight days away from footy. Then Magic Round, you know, when Magic Round sort of always seems to lift the players,
0: mm.
1: you know, gets them into, you know, sort of party mood. And then, you know, you go through that slog of the season, feeling okay about yourself if, you, if you've started well. And, you know, you've got the buyers to keep fresh and whatnot, you know. I assume KP be back playing Origin, so he's going to get his rest. Now, I, I think the buyers are okay
0: to us uh, on, that, on that draw. I think the thing I actually really like about the Round 21 buy is that it's a 15-day break. So we play on the Saturday, yeah, yeah, right. and then we don't play until two Sundays later, and it really gives us so much wow, time okay. to just yeah. rest up, recover, Absolutely. and then hit the ground running for those last six rounds to go into finals. I'm, I'm really excited by the, um, by the draw this year. Mate, I want to talk to you about the Warriors game, though, because I'm I really hope that the Knights have sort of – I really hope that they went straight to the draw to find that one – and see when they were coming up against the Warriors, because I really hope that they're going over there with a point to prove after... Um, our last game of the season. Again, take nothing away from uh, what the Warriors did to us on that day. I, I absolutely maintain they would have done that to any team uh, in the comp. The, the score might not have blown out as much, but I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts they would have beaten the Panthers that day with how, how ramped up the Warriors were. And again, I'm not making excuses, but people do forget that we had a six-day turnaround after playing 90 minutes of, one of the, just one of the hardest finals that we've seen in recent memory. So I just feel like the Knights really should be going over to uh, Auckland um, at the end of March with a point point to prove. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy that trip held in the season. Um,
1: no, I yeah. think that, I think that's great for us. you right. Gives, it gives the boys something to sort, you know, to, to have in the back of their mind early in the year. And I don't think it'll be a distraction. I think they'll be looking ahead because, you know, we've got the, the rematch with Canberra to start the season. That's going to be a big game. We've mm-hmm. got Melbourne on the schedule. Yeah, we've got plenty of games there that matter too. But I think that, that Warriors game, you're right, will mean something to the players. And uh, I don't necessarily think we have to win it. But if we go over there and go, well, you know, we go, go toe for toe with them in New Zealand. I think that's a really good
0: marker to put down early in the season. A game I actually absolutely, absolutely do believe we have to win. And I've sort of I'm sort of contradicting myself here because I have already said, well, if we lose our two away games to open up the season, that's the our first two away mm-hmm. games, that's fine. But then there's another part of me that sort of feels, we have to beat the Cowboys up in Townsville in round two. Like yeah, it's, it's I, I'm, our bogey, isn't it? Really it really is. I'm so, and particularly for Adam O'Brien, like one of the things I loved about this year with Adam O'Brien um, was, you sort of got the feeling that he – we said it. We were saying it in all of our, our sort of recordings. You just felt like this team was determined to lay a, a whole heap of ghosts to rest, you know. But the one that comes to mind in particular is making sure that we win landmark games. And I just feel like the Cowboys, along with, you know, when making it to a grand final winning approach, but I just feel like that, that Cowboys away game, it's just – there's that bit of Last front, final frontier for Adam O'Brien. Like, we, we had him
1: on toast last year. We had him on absolute yeah. toast. And obviously, the Adam O'Brien stuff with his mum was, was in the background of that that we didn't know about until it was late. But yeah, yeah. we had them on toast and, and blew it.
0: So, I mean, you, you've mentioned it. We were talking before we sort of hit record. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the start of the season in 2023 and how the season went, because I thought that that might give us a different perspective on what our expectations should be for 2024. So you've mentioned Adam O'Brien, mate. I want to point out the two things from 2023 that I feel – Will have a big impact on 2024 simply for the fact that I, I'm I'm quietly confident we won't have to be dealing with them again. And the first one is uh, Adam O'Brien obviously having to deal with very traumatic um, personal circumstances with um, you know the the health the illness and and ultimate passing of his mum. But also Kate Kalen Ponga's health. Um, you know we. And I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you actually talk about it a little bit more because you you were the one that said uh, <laughs> said to us in the chat. You know, you felt that uh, some of us were actually in Parramatta to witness the turning point of our club that night um, with that uh, horrific loss earlier in the year. But I, I sort of feel like with a stable captain and star player and a coach who's shown that he can get these t- these boys up to perform each week without. Um, you know, and he can focus on the job at hand, I just feel like that those two factors are going to have a much bigger telling on how this team uh, can perform, not just for 10 weeks next season, but for the whole season, which will hopefully push us through to a grand final.
1: Yeah, I I think two points were proven last year in that regard. Adam O'Brien has proved to the world that he's a coach. You know, Adam O'Brien is a coach that no one would be shocked to see be, become a premiership coach. Like He's, he's got everything you need in a the coach. There's no doubting that anymore. Three three final appearances in four years for a team without Andrew Jones at the Newcastle Knights, he's literally unheard of. Mm. You know, he, we got the monkey off the back and he won his final. Um, yeah, so Adam O'Brien, and I think it'll help him. I think the KP to 5'8 staff, and I, I think he, he was starting to second-guess himself after the disaster of 2022. Um, which he submitted himself, you know, he rearranged basically everything, the way the club did the preseason, the way they approached the season, the staff. He just it was I think it really rocked him. And um and now he's coming into 2024 full of beans. I think that that's a huge positive. And the and then that then flows on to Kalen in terms of Kalen has now got the monkey off his back. He's not a premiership winner yet. He's not made a grand final yet, not even made a prelim yet. But he's got the monkey off the back where everyone said, is play Player really elite? You know, he's, is he actually a player that can be the best player on a, on a Premiership team? And that's now put to bed. There's no doubt in the world that Kaelin Ponger is the best five players in the NRL. I would say he's easily the best three. So, that, so that's off the thing. The idea of K.P. in the back of his mind of, what's best for the club in terms of my position? Um, Am, am I better off at five eight? Am I better off at fullback? Now, no doubt. He's fullback. He'll be fullback till he retires, wherever he plays, whether it's with us or anyone else. He'll be fullback till he retires. Um, it's really, to me, changed in the idea that I've seen a difference in the uh, poor termy, but the pre-pre season. So the gap between the players having a bit of a rest after they get knocked out and the preseason starting, I have seen nothing on Instagram. But players, training, even when they start having a feed with the boys, having a beer with the boys, they're all in singlet sweaty because they've been training all morning. Mm. It's it's really, really noticeable. And I think that's on the back of both KP and Adzi, where they've just sort of, you know, they're, they're uh, playing the tune and the boys are following along happily. And my lord. KP, does he look fit? (laughs) It does things to me. Kayleen just does things to me. um, No, we, we, we really have turned the corner, and I have no doubt about it.
0: And I want to be very clear about something because you know we do we have made a big deal about the thing. We we think that that trip to Canada was a turning point for KP. KP though was big at the end of 2022 in terms of getting himself you know fit physically fit. You know he came into this season I think you know bigger and stronger than we'd seen before. But you're right. I think the difference this this season, 12 months later, is that it's not just him. The whole team has yeah. bought in to say well we've got a month off but we want to still be above the level that we were at 12 months ago when we come into proper pre-season and you know one of the big criticisms of Kalen was that he was flashy without being a leader and the, 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 uh, that to me is a small show of the type of leader that he is he wants to be a leader by doing and players are going to follow him yeah
1: yeah and that and, that, and that's where you know and the, and the little run club they have with Croaks and Gil Lucas and and a lot of a lot a lot of them, you know, um, the their little run club they have. And as I said, every time you see them, you know, sit down for a coffee or a drink or whatever, they're always in the singlet. They're all KP's always got the shirt off because he's KP, and <laughs> um, and the, yeah, you know, they're sweaty and whatever because yeah, you know, they've been slogging their guts out. You know, there's been no no true break. Like I, I don't think KP went went away for long at all. They spent a bit of time in Sydney at the races and stuff. But they've basically just been hanging around, you know, enjoying some time off but staying fit. I um I expect the pre-season records to be shattered this summer.
0: Can I ask just quickly? And I, you, this is uh, not a planned question. Do you think the Delhi M medal has played any part in KP's drive? Or do you think that, that for him that was like that was nice, but I put that to bed. I've I've got bigger things. Because one of the reasons that we sort of wanted to record was we were quite. Um, invigorated by that small clip that a uh, good friend of the pod Sky shared on uh, social media about uh, KP's answer to the question, what's the one thing missing from your life? And he's like, oh, premiership ring. Is that is that the focus now? Like, is everything that KP's doing at the moment about winning that premiership for Newcastle?
1: Yeah, no doubt. The the, the Daly was obviously you know, on, on the bucket list, and that's checked off. You know, he's he'd played in one origin series, checked off. He's done it all now. All he needs to do, well, two things play for Australia. We all know that's going to happen. As soon as Mal Meninga gets rid of Teddy, KP's in. And he wouldn't need to win a premiership. They're the only two things left to achieve in the game. I, The Australian thing, I don't think, you know, I'm sure he wants to play for Australia, but I don't think it's, you know, anywhere near the top of his list. But you're right. Once he's without hesitation, and it wasn't what do you want to do, do in your career, it was what do you want to do in your life, you know, premiership ring, you know, like he was. And I, th- and I think that Dalian was giving him the confidence to come out and say those things. Because mm. be- before he'd come out and sa- said that, people go, well, mate, you know, we're near it. You know, your team's mid-table. You know, you're overpaid, blah, blah, blah. I think that he's really... That winning streak, for him and the entire club, just put so much belief in him, it's unbelievable. And Rugby League is... I always say this pod, Rugby League is a game of confidence.
0: You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Uh, I want to go back to that Parramatta game, unfortunately, because in a lot of ways, um, what you know, you and I were sort of talking before we pressed record, is that um, the men's season, in a lot of ways, is probably in twenty twenty three. It's probably going to remember it for three things: Um, we won a final at home for the first time in however long, uh, the ten game winning streak, um, but unfortunately, the Eels game and. You know, you were the one that pointed out to some of us. You know, a lot of us were lucky enough to be at uh, the turning point for the Newcastle Knights, because that loss to Parramatta in a lot of ways was a was an, a turning point. You know, you'd hate to say, you'd hate to sort of say that it was a loss that maybe the team had to have. I, I wish we hadn't had it, but um, um, you know, that game in a lot of ways, you know turned a lot of, switched a lot of players back onto what was needed to perform. Um, I think we beat the Titans up. We had the bye, beat the Titans, lost to the Sharks. And then after that, you know, the team really did start to hit some form. But it, it's funny because I got I really bored. So after after the grand finals um, at the beginning of October and, you know, the inter- I'm a bit like you with the internationals. I sort of, um, you know, paid a little bit of attention to it. But... Um, um, I was very surprised to see how poorly the Kangaroos performed in the final against the Kiwis. But all of that aside, I was like, oh, doesn't really capture much. So I was actually going back through um, those the, the the KO minis of the of the Knights games. And like I said, for the three things that we actually do remember, I think the fourth one that we really do need to just hold tight to is that the first part of the season, a lot of that time really was spent saying. Why the fuck can't we kick goals? And it it rang home even truer to me because you and I have just been discussing if we get into that first buy, even at six and five, we've set up our season. And what we forget is that we were a team that was five and nine going with the season, essentially almost basically over. But that five and nine record isn't happening. If we can just land some fucking goals and Um, you know, you'd like to think that a fit and firing Kalen Ponga, who is very clearly our number one goal kicker with him, you know, hopefully being in the side throughout much more of the season, that suddenly may not be as big, as big an issue. So uh, I, again, I want, the reason I point this out is that I don't think this team was a flash in the pan, 10 week stretch where things just happen to go our way. That, the team had been performing like that all season. We scored more tries than any other team all season last year, but we just weren't converting them. So the hope now is that we play with a, in a manner where we can maintain that level and score goals. That's why we should have so much more confidence going into 2024.
1: Yeah, you're right. There was, there was directly two games were purely goal So, yeah, the, the draw with Manly, there's a point that we shouldn't do. We threw away without the goal mm-hmm. the Penrith home loss goal-kicking 100% can't be denied difference in the game. There's three points. You give us three points on my top four. And, and that's off the back of the... And not only changes the, the total. It actually changes how you're feeling about your season earlier. So you probably don't have some of those disappointing losses in the middle of the year because you're feeling good, at, you know, at sort of sitting around the edge of the eight, not sitting 14th.
0: And this is something that you and I point out because we finished with a points differential of 175. So we had the third best points differential in the comp this year. Now, a lot of people, uh, God, people love to drag achievements in rugby league. I, I think rugby league does it better than any other sport in the world, that fans who can drag the achievements of other teams. So, okay, you take the 100... Uh, points positive differential that we got from the two Bulldogs games apparently we were the only team that played the Bulldogs this season
1: but it's but a, it, what I will say I will quickly say to that part but if you take the second Bulldogs one away you'll take the Parramatta loss away too you know so I, I would take the say you take the 66 away and make that six so you take 60 points off and we're still 115
0: Absolutely. So, um, but even if, so even if though you take away the points differential from both of those Bulldogs game, that drops us down to about plus 70. We've still got, we've still got the top five or six best points differential for the season. Like, that's how well this team was actually performing last year. And so I don't think it's enough to sort of say, oh, we will, you know, the point's different. This was a team that actually did perform consistently throughout the year. What do we always hear? What do we always hear at the end of the season? The table doesn't lie. But apparently the table only lies when it's the Newcastle lights. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that was the big thing that I sort of took from once I had an opportunity to just let the season rest, but particularly for the men, and I was just able to sort of sit back and take it all in. I was like, our captain nearly retired. Our, our coach was dealing with personal trauma that, you know, nobody ever is handling well in the, at the best of times. Um, things weren't going well for us at the beginning of the season. We were chopping and changing the line. And yet we still, we still at the end of the season. All this season, all this team needs is stability. And they managed to actually, finally enough, find a bit of that, regardless of the issues that they were having. And, you know, good friend of the pod, Ben Darwin, always say, if you can get that stability off the field, it generally tends to show itself on the field. And that's where I think Peter Parr has just been a godsend for this team. This men's team, this club, is now suddenly performing like a 21st century professional sporting organisation. And the results are showing on the field for the men and the women. And, yeah, I just think. I just think going into season 2024, you know, they, they made the mistake of uh, airing their top four goals at the end of 2021 for 2022. We all know how that went. So I don't think they're going to be as bullish in, in the media in terms of what their expectations are. But I think we, as a fan base, I think we've finally been given the opportunity to go into 2024 with higher expectations, but also confidence that those expectations are achievable. You're absolutely
1: right. Peter Parr, to be. So here's the key, to me. Peter Parr is the second most important things ever happened in the club. Gary Gary and Gail Johnson having sex was the first, <laughs> and, and 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 Phil and Phil Gardner employing uh, Peter Park. Like he's, he's changed the club, top to bottom, men's, women's, juniors, seniors. The entire club is different in the two years Peter parr has been here.
0: And I sort of feel like the club handles um, player movements a lot smarter now. Like I do feel like we're a lot more proactive than we are reactive. Like what Peter Parr has done over the last eighteen months has given me the confidence to be like, I think the club has put their best foot forward in terms of re-signing uh, Jacob Sofedi and Bradman Best. But I have. I, I've, I'm are you also...
1: worried about Brady? I, I'm starting to get a little nervous.
0: No. Nah. No, I'm yeah, I'm, right I'm more right. worried about Jacob than I am about Brad, uh, Bradman best. I, I genuinely, See, I, think... Think
1: I, I think we can lose Jacob. Like I'd like to keep him, but I, Brad, Jacob going, would it, you know, Bradman's a generational type.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, can I be honest with you? I think part of the pitch to Bradman would be you absolutely can get money, uh, more money elsewhere, and if you want to do that, by all means, please do. Here's a litany of examples where just chasing the money has been a really bad idea. What we're going to offer you is the absolute best position that the club can. We're not pulling wool over your eyes. We think this is a really strong uh, offer for a player of your talent at your stage of your career. We're also offering you the opportunity of fighting for premierships. We've shown that we can do that. You know, let us know how you go. And I honestly, I, I promise you, I I absolutely promise you that a guy who uses his um, spare time to go overseas to build houses for refugees is not just chasing the dollar. He is a guy that just wants to play footy with his mates and the most that he can and get the most out of life. And I just I just think he likes playing with Newcastle. He'll get a good deal. And um, I just. Don't think that other teams are going to offer enough of a money for him to go. The guy. family
1: pulling Queensland now, but that's my worry. He's he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a, um, a beach type. You know, the family pulling Queensland now that up there, that sort of, that's my worry. Does no, is, is the throw a million bucks at him? Does he go? Well, you know, I can be close to family. I can, you know, be living, you know, in Brisbane.
0: And so that was because that was the only thing I was going to say is that I, I think it's going to take a David Fafita type deal to drag him away. And I just don't see anybody offering him a David Fafita type deal. I, yeah, I can see yeah. clubs offering him, you know, a lot more money, but not David Fafita to the Titans ridiculous money. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, that's why I think he's staying. I think Jacob Saifidi is probably going to go. Uh, I read a really interesting article today, funnily, by, uh, funnily enough, by Robert Dillon. Don't, I don't read much of his stuff anymore. But he made a really good point where he was saying uh, that the club cannot afford to be playing to be paying Daniel Saifidi money to both Daniel Saifidi and Jacob Saifidi. And Jacob Saifidi's agent will be saying, well, Jacob's playing better than Dan, so he should be getting more than that. And that's why I think he'll go elsewhere. I did read an interesting thing though, that apparently part of the collecting bargaining, a collective bargaining agreement is that Players can't renegotiate for less money once they've signed no. the deal. No,
1: because Daniel then, because then offered the club to yeah to, take, to reduce his contract to pay Jacob more.
0: Yeah, and no, that's that's absolutely a no-go. So I do think Jacob Sofien is going to leave the club, um, but I'm hope my hope is that you know from what we hear, uh, forwards aren't our problem. Um, uh, uh, I think I think it'll hurt, but I don't think it'll. Uh, overall damages, and um... I think the
1: I think the only way Jacob stages is, is the playing with Daniel thing. I think if, da- if Daniel wasn't there, he would Jacob's out the door hundred percent.
0: Oh um, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's I think it's fifty fifty simply because you know because Daniel's there and Daniel's there long term because um, I th- I think they want to play together. If, da- if Daniel was coming off contract soon, I think well, they're both going to go. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, because Daniel's still locked down for what another three years yet, I th- I think maybe Jacob might do a two year. At unders and think you know because even then what's he going to be what 29? Yep. still prime for a front rower you know mm. he's still got a big deal in him at twenty at that sort of age um, yeah no I I and I said I I I'm not I said if Jacob does go because Jacob probably probably our best front rower last year but I think Leo's ready to take that mantle agree and, I think, and yeah. I think there's plenty of guys then to step into the Leo role of the up and comer
0: that's exactly right and and that's exactly what Robert Dillon sort of said today he said. If this team has got three front rowers in um, Leo, Jacob, and Dan, you're not paying all three of them that exorbitant amount of money. Something's got to give. Unfortunately, I think it will be Jacob, and not because I want him to go of any of them. I, I, you know, but I think if he wants to chase the deal that he thinks he's worth, um, I think he'll go. It, it's actually quite funny, brother. When I want to think about it. I'm sort of making the case for Jacob leaving as to the reason you think Braddy's leaving and, and yeah. cause you know what I mean? Like you yeah, think the yeah. pool of family is, yeah, that's, um, but I, I yeah, that I, I just, the thing about Braddy is I really do think, um, you know, he likes playing footy with the Knights. He likes playing footy with his mates. Yeah. He wants to get the right deal and, uh, just short of that David for feeder type deal. Yeah. I, I think, I think Braddy wants to win a premiership with the Newcastle Knights.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I've no doubt if Braman was getting, if we give Braman a competitive offer, um, I think he'll stay. But as I said, if someone just blew him away to go home, the odd to go home, to go to Queensland where he also be near his family, that would be a game changer. But if if our money's competitive, and I think it will be, I think he'll stay.
0: Hey, mate, can we talk a little bit of uh, NRLW because uh, the, not the the for the first time in the comp's history they released both. The NRLW and the NRL draw at the same time. Um, we've got four four home games, only four home games out of nine um, next season. But uh, we kick things off on round one again. The Knights are kicking off the season on the Thursday night. Big, big game against the Roosters um, Thursday night, McDonald Jones Stadium uh, at the end of July. Um, I think. Look, I think when it comes to the women's game, you know, it's still finding its feet. There's still that element of Trying to line it up with um, with the men's team, so you know you play everybody once. I don't think I, I don't think the draw should yet be impacting us too much in terms of how we how we perform. Um, but interestingly, we finished the season away to the Cowboys, and that uh, that could be a that could be a banana peel to finish the season because it's still a top four only uh, comp in uh, ten teams. Cowboys have made a great start. They've got Chikaya Whitfield uh, coming up there for for next season. So Cowboys will want to be improving on the way they performed this year. Um, I, I think the way the cards have fallen though, it's just those. Particularly with we play the three the three Queensland teams, the last three games and two away games um, up in Queensland. I think I think we should still be thinking about top four, probably top two. But uh, it's a tricky end of the season. I'm I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is a tricky end, but I, I'm always a fan of you know going going to Queensland like late in the season. Really, for starters, for starters the weather's a little cooler. You know, like you know, you, you, the weather hasn't started to warm back up properly yet. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I don't think that the queens now Queenslanders, I hate me for this. I reckon the Queensland crowds fall off late in the season. Okay. I um you you watch for the for, hang on
0: for all for, of for rugby for, league for, for, the for women's all games. of rugby league
1: for all of rugby league. Now the okay. Broncos were different this year because they were so good, but you watch those Queensland Cloud um crowds late in the season and they all fall off. So I um I don't think those Queensland trips are terrible for the for any for the men or women late in the mm-hmm. season. But mm-hmm. I certainly don't think it'll hurt our girls too much. Um, I think our main issue next year is going to be. Um, can you do it three years at a rate? All oh, the reasons we thought Penrith couldn't go back to back to back. Yep, Penrith basically had the same team for three years. We've changed our team dramatically for this year, for, so for 2023 season, and it's yep. probably going to change a fair bit again for 2024 around the fringes. Um, it's to me, back to back to back in the current women's situation is almost impossible.
0: Well, mate, you know, in terms of talking about chopping and changing, it would be remiss of us to talk about um, legendary coach Ron Griffiths abandoning the women's team to uh, go and uh, coach the reserves in the men's. Um, So it's going to be a new team next year regardless of what happens with our signings because we still don't know uh, who's going to be coaching the women at this stage. I I went off my tree a bit when I found out that um, Kylie Hilda, is that – uh, yeah, Kylie Hilda, yeah, um, was in was the front runner, and I was like, oh, what, you know, that choke job from New South Wales Blues and and Roosters, but she's actually quite an accomplished yes, coach, as it turns out. So we'd be really lucky to um to have her fill the void left by Ron. Um, and then but, got the
1: ties to the club through brother Matt. Sorry. And got the ties to the night through the brother Matt.
0: Oh of course yeah uh, you Sorry,
1: know, of so course. so that so that so you know that sort of gives it the um yeah that little bit tie which we always like in Newcastle you know? we always like our coaches to have some sort of uh, you know t- history with the club
0: Sorry I, th- I thought you were talking about uh brother Matt Clark you know good friend oh, of the that- club <laughs> I was like oh just... um but um um the only reason I say that is that when you are going for a three-peat, stability is everything, particularly with the coach. I mean, Ivan Cleary sort of – he he, Ivan Cleary knew how to manage that team this year. You know, people forget with the Panthers, there was that long stretch out with uh, Nathan Cleary. Uh, Jerome Lua was busted for all of the finals. But Ivan Cleary knew that team back to front, so he knew the levers to pull when the, when yeah. the pressure was on. Well, we're going to have a new coach next year who's – you know, going to have a quick turnaround. Again, it's a shortened season, so you only play each team once. There's a lot she's going to have to pick up on the run. I, I think, look, the three-peat was always going to be hard, as you said. It it, it just got a lot harder. And that's, you know, the, the club has to do what the club has to do. That's not a criticism of what they are and aren't doing with the coaching positions. Um, but I, I think of, of all the seasons that the Knights have had, uh, of the three seasons we've had, so I actually do genuinely think the fourth season is going to be the hardest. We're two time defending Premier. We've got a new coach at the wheel. It's going to be a longer season. We're going to be hunted more than we have been before. And we still don't know what's happening with a lot of the signings. I know we signed our core five big name players to long term deals. But a lot of those fringe players this year made a big, big difference for us when uh, particularly. It's where, it's, in the- where, it's
1: where we win those premierships. Where we won them both premierships Correct. Our, is, is the bottom end of our roster has been
0: outstanding. So it's funny, as I sit here listening to me talking about the women in 2024, for some reason I'm a lot more pessimistic about the team that's just won two comps than I am about the men's, than I'm about the team that's only just managed to win a home final for the first time in 20 years. But, but you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, yeah. there, there really is a difference when you're on an upward trajectory and you can just see that you're reach, you've reach. you got that drive to reach for the next level. Whereas with the women, like we've, we're at that level. We're, other teams are coming for us at this level. We're trying to figure out how to stay here and fend off the those attacks. And now we've got a new yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's, it, look, it's going to be hard. And the thing is, is that. Perennial choke jobs the Roosters as you know as hard as they find it to win big games. You cannot tell me that they'll be coming up um, the F- they won't be coming up the F three in July with a point to prove after A losing to us uh, last year and B what happened in the semi. Yeah, look, I, I think that it, it's going to be a hard season. I think we have the talent to um, uh, get the job done, um, but um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be very difficult for us um, for us in the NRLW next year.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the NRL's done us dirty there. The Roosters, the the, uh, the July August specialists, playing them early. <laughs> um, no, I th- I think that yeah, that's going to be a tough round one, but it's at home, you know, and it's and Thursday night stand alone should be a reasonable crowd there. Uh, so you know, so we're obviously going to be a big shot in that one. But I just yeah, you know, with the NRLW, as I said, it all comes down to that bottom end of your roster. Yeah, we've got the best female player in the game. There's no doubt about that. You know, we've got a few other stars. But um, yeah, that bottom end of the roster, how that fills out, will be it'll be the key. We um, as much as we we've had some injuries, you know, in the last couple of years, but we haven't been decimated like a few teams have. Mm. Um, so you know, so injuries don't fall your way. It's hard to get it to go your way three years in a row. But I think the girls will make the final. I've got no doubt about that. It's just whether you know they can get over the line for a third straight year. But geez, I would never put it. I would never say those girls can't do it.
0: Well, it's funny enough, funny enough because a lot of the logic I used as to why expectations should be higher for the men in 2024, um, particularly when it comes to our captain being fit and firing uh, you know, uh, on all cylinders for the whole season, Well, th- the same probably applies to the women as well. You know, Hannah Southwell, we do forget in a semi-professional era coming back from a significant uh, knee injury, and they are actually, studies are just uh, finding that as women become, you know, enter into that professional era of um, uh, sport and with increased athleticism, knee injuries are becoming a problem. They are still actually trying to figure out the mechanics of um, how the female body sort of uh, plays in in modern sport. Hannah Southwell was coming off a significant knee injury, the first of her career. <laughs> Well, she's got a full season under her belt now. So in a lot of ways, she'll be a new player again in 2024. So that should counteract a little bit of any sort of uncertainty in the team where I, I, I would expect there'll be a lot more output from Hannah in 2024.
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100%. She'll, um, I think she'll play even bigger minutes. I think she'll be you know, back to being nearly a 70-minute player. Um, and I think, yeah, we'll get a lot more out of her in terms of running metres which is which is great because you know the probably the weakness in our team is um, the ability of our middles to be consistent for the entire game. Mm. So yeah, I think a fully fit handler will make a huge difference there.
0: Mate, can we talk about Jesse? Because Jesse was a bit of a, a Jesse was, I don't know. She was a bit of a bone of contention with you and I during this year. You know, is she still that generational talent? Is she getting too big for her boots? You know, is she performing this and that? You know. So, my first question to you is: Do you think she'll play three State of Origin games next year?
1: Um.
0: Yes. Has she, has she done enough to warrant the starting uh, halfback position for the Blues?
1: No, I. I don't think she probably would get picked for game one if she was any sort of standard player. But I think that New South Wales have said now this is our golden girl for the next ten years. We're picking her.
0: Okay. All right. So um big that's the big news to sort of come out of the draw for me. I mean Magic Round's just gonna be going off next year. Um the Knights are back, uh State women's state of origin to kick that, that weekend off on the Thursday night. But, yeah, three state of origin games for the women to go into the uh, NRLW season. Uh, okay, just hit. what are your expectations for Jessie Southwell next year? Should she be leading this team? Is she still happy to be the bridesmaid to um, um, Tamika Upton? What do, you, what do you want to see from um, Jessie Southwell next year in the rep scene as well as at the club level?
1: Um, at the club level, I want her to now be on that Tamika plane where her and Tamika are the two outstanding players in the team. Yep. So it's at the moment we've got, we've got Tamika up there by herself, and then the next, and then we've got another level, you know, with your CJ, Yaz, um, Hannah, and then I think Jesse's next down below that. I think Jesse needs to take the leap where she's sort of in between Tamika and that next level of origin girls. I think Jess, that's Jesse's spot, and I think third year at that level, um, the disappointment of not playing anywhere near best for Origin, you know, being inconsistent for the for the Knights, um, I think it'll drive her it pretty hard. I think Hannah drives her pretty hard. I think that's going to help. Um, yeah, now I want to see Jesse where she's now at the point where people are saying is she almost the best player in the game? She's not there yet because she's very young. Are we seeing the the beginnings of her being the best player in the game?
0: It's funny. Like, we, we do keep comparing her to Andrew Johns, you know, based on the fact that generational young uh, halfback for the Newcastle Knights. For me, I thought 2023 in a lot of ways was her her Joey years in 95, 96. Like, she'd had that big breakout year. But unlike Joey, she had the premiership that came, you know, straight away. Like, you know, one season in premiership, happy day whereas for Joey he sort of people forget he sort of meandered a bit in 95 96 like he did better away from the knights than he did with the knights in 95 96 and um, before you know nine, 1997 happened but it's been the it's been the opposite for for Jessie you know she didn't fire in the in the in the blues team she didn't make the australian team but she's winning these comps but in a lot of ways her form is mirroring that of that early andrew Johns where the pieces are there but she doesn't have the maturity yet for that to to find that consistency. you know, it's funny. You know, I'll never pass up an opportunity to talk about Andrew Johnson. But as a teenage K dog, um, listening to Joey talk back in the late '90s, it's funny because I, I just thought he was the greatest thing I'd ever seen, and I just thought he was being. Uh, you know, humble, showing, um, you know, that that humility by saying, oh, it's that week in, week out consistency that I really need to be aiming for. I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? You, you're awesome. You're awesome every week. But now as a mature adult, you can see what he was talking about. It's not the flashy stuff that you do week in, week out that makes you great. It's being able to make sure that every single week – those simple things you don't just do perfectly, but you do better than anybody else around you, and that's what Jesse's still failing with. No, sorry, not failing. This is that's what, I think that's what Jesse's still working on at the moment. You and I, because you and I were saying it all. Her kick, her kick decision, just they're not they're not right. <laughs> her kicking out, she's just not finding those right. And so I think for me, what I want to see from Jesse in 2024, is week in week out those simple basic things. But, you know, nailing that kick at the end of a set, you know, getting that pass right um, to, to find the space. Uh, I think defensively, I think she can step up a little bit more. I want to see those things consistent week in, week out, and then she can throw the flashy, you know, step in two players and, you know, cut out passes and whatnot. That's, I think that's what that's what Jesse really needs to be aiming for next season.
1: Yeah, no, I ha- absolutely agree. And Joey and talked a lot about, you know, one of the things he struggled with in his early years was getting preparation right you he, he was a, he was a bit of a lair and he uh, you know he played up as we all know mm. um and I think Jesse's you know and then she they're saying, she's semi professional you know like it's not like she's a professional league player like Andrew was back in the day but um but no I think Jessie, it's about you know it's getting that preparation right every week which will then lead to the field lead to being uh more consistent on the field um because she, yeah, she you're right she, it's the attention of detail now Jesse she's got all the tools. She's got the drive. She has got the motivation. Oh, she does. She's yeah. got the she's got the mental strength. She she just needs you know the consistency and the application week to week in training. I would suggest because yeah, generally if you're, if you're getting things wrong, like you're kicking games not right and that, that's a lot of that's preparation. Um, mm. so yeah, I think that Jesse now is just it's just um, yeah, tidying up the edges and yeah, we'll really start to see that um, that generational talent we thought we we're gonna see. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees.
0: Can I ask you about Tamika? Because if you're Tamika Upton, how do you... How do you top twenty? What what? No, sorry. What drives you for twenty twenty four? After you've won an Origin series, you've won a premiership. You're the um, player of the match in the grand final. Sorry, I can't remember. Uh,
1: can't Karen remember. Murphy medal.
0: The Karen Murphy. How how the fuck did I forget that name? <laughs> you won the Karen M- M- Medal Murphy in a grand final winning performance, uh, and you made your debut for Australia. If you're Tamika Upton, what's what's driving you into twenty twenty four? When you're like, well, fuck, oh. <laughs> I've just achieved everything the game has to offer. I've, and, oh, and the 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 Dalian medal as well. What what is she? Where is she? What's her mentality going into twenty twenty four to maintain or try and get to another level? Does she have another level?
1: Um, I don't know if she needs another level. I think she's already. Yeah. Um, but at, you know, like at the moment with Tamika, I think it's. Um, to me, she, she's such a professional athlete that I think that she wants to show that on the foot in terms of lifting the Knights to where all the girls are at her standard in terms of their preparation, you know, the way they approach the game and mental strength of the game. I think she sees herself as a leader. And I think that's where she will come out in terms of, she's not the captain of the Knights, Hannah is, but I mm. think that you know, she has the same standing at the team as Hannah does. And um, obviously they're, you know, they're best friends, so that helps. Um, I think Tamika now will be at the point where she's like, well, I want to raise these the two-time premierships. i say you raise the clubs a bit odd. But I think that she, her idea is, you know, the bottom of our roster, you know, our Tasha Gale team, all the girls that don't quite make our 17, I want to lift all those standards, you know. I want them to show them how, you know, the best player in the game prepares, the this player in the game recovers, the best player in the game handles herself as, as a professional athlete in the media, all those sorts of things that I think uh, Tamika will sort of uh, yeah really focus on but listen listen away uh, sort of turn your head away Knights fans I think that Tamika's number one motivation next year will be to carve us up at MJS playing the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would I, I absolutely, you know there's nothing I would love more you know like you knows in her shoes uh, so I think that yeah we might I am really worried we might see the Tamika we love at MJS in the wrong color jersey
0: so um i mean three state of origin games for the women's game you know we we wanted it this year um i don't know i've got to be honest with you i don't know how the nrl does it but the last two years they've funnily enough managed to i think put almost every foot right when it comes to the women's game you know they haven't rushed expansion they had they didn't rush um origin out to three i really think they've let the game grow into itself and um i think not having three year, three games this year was a masterstroke because yeah, they everyone gave everyone yearns for it everyone yearns that's for it, right know, you know? that's yeah. right as opposed yeah. to having three games where the series may have been over after two and they didn't have to deal with any discussion about well, this this third game's always Yeah, you know anyway so but yeah no come um come the 6th of june uh, game and t- game 2 it'll be game 2 um you know the the new south wales home game game two is always the most exciting for me in um in state of origin because you know game 1 you sort of feel well let's see what happens and game 3 it's either a decider or the series is over, but Game Two is the one where the, the everything's on the line here. The season's alive, uh, the the series is alive, because one team wants to try and wrap it up without the you know having to worry about a decider, and a one team is trying to stay in the contest without having worrying about a dead rubber. So I, I love the fact that Game Two is in Newcastle. All I demand, all I demand, is that we have the biggest crowd um, for for the series. I, I, I I'm still not sure oh, how we
1: won, because Magic Round is a okay. game one eight sun call they'll get thirty odd thousand for
0: that but that's the thing I'm not I'm not convinced about that oh really no I am yeah, I am. No. yeah
1: no I um I think you'll get fifteen thousand already up there early for Magic Round and then you'll get yeah Queenslanders coming out of the trees to to watch it um oh. I think they'll get, I, I think they'll get 30
0: odd thousand. See I went the other way on that. Well, I thought maybe they'd get fifteen thousand because most people are like look I've got to go up to Brisbane for all of Magic Round. If I can get there for the Thursday night game that'd be great. But my main focus is really on making sure that I'm there for the big weekend. So I've gone the other way on that. But, well, look, as long as we get more than Townsville then, I'll be very happy about it. Oh, I um,
1: want to sell out. We, we should sell out. There's yeah. no excuse not to sell out. Absolutely yeah.
0: none. none. And the thing is, is that particularly all the pissing and moaning that Knights fans did this year, which – we do very, very well, um, but about the fact that we should have gotten an origin and the fact that we would have um, gotten more people at the game than um, than either of the two games got this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 look, K-Dog likes to aim for the stars. I wasn't going to say sell out, but fuck it, I'm all in. Yeah, Newcastle, we absolutely need to be selling out that um, that game too on the 6th of, uh, of June, Thursday night, um, and uh, – Ah, oh, I'm just—I'm so excited that uh, Origin is finally, finally coming to Newcastle. The um, the
1: the big the big advantage we have there too is the fact that Newcastle Council was so behind pushing for us to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, New, Newcastle manual Tally Nelms is a huge NRLW fan. Yeah. You know, she's always taking pictures at the games, the girls' games. I think they're going to promote the hell out of it, and yeah, I'd be—I'd be shocked if it didn't sell out. Um, I'd be thoroughly disgusted with the, with the local fans because you're right everyone he pisses and moans we don't get stuff well this is your chest Newcastle. guys so we, we say we're the home of women's rugby league we're getting the you know one of the biggest games of the year as you said game two which is the most important game of any series there's no excuses then i've already said that the the uh the ticket prices for the women will still be really low you know you're looking at you know your 15 20 maximum no excuses
0: um, when you think about the fact, and I still maintain them, there was at least fifteen, sixteen thousand there for that Broncos home final. None of this twelve thousand bizzo. But when you think about, you know, w- w- can I ask you? Do you think? And I'm going to get a bit tinfoil hatty here, so you know, bear with me. Do you think though that Newcastle can be the home of the women's New South Wales Blues? Because the other reason I ask that is that you know, let's say we do get thirty thousand to to the game. Will there be a pull to be? Will there be a movement to be like? Well, we could get forty thousand at Allianz Stadium. You know what I mean? Like, will, is there? Because Newcastle always uh, does this thing where we do things so well, they take it off us because they're like, oh, we've, you've shown you can do it. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna take that and do it better elsewhere. You know, or or do you think they will be like a good crowd at Newcastle can really embed the women's New South Wales Blues? Um, that's their home now, and that's where the game could go for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I do see that. And that's why Townsville have got the, the game again for the Queensland game. Because let's not forget, Townsville is, you know, 87 billion miles away from Brisbane. So for them to have, <laughs> so for them to have the origin again, yeah, I know Brisbane have got one, but that's purely because of magic round. Um, Townsville is essentially the home of the Queensland women's team. Mm. And I, I, I think we will be because, you, yeah, Newcastle might get 30,000, but the idea the that, Queen, that uh, Queensland, that uh, Sydney would get, at least that is, is bollocks. Yeah, Sydney will never, ever, ever, ever get that for a women's game on a weeknight. They just won't. Um, it just, it's just never, it's never going to happen. Um, I, th- I think we will be the home of the New South Wales Blues women. I, th- I think that's locked in. I know Newcastle Council, you know, is, are really pushing it hard. I like the idea that um they set up a training base and a development centre, you know, in that Broadmeadow precinct. They're redeveloping for the for the uh for women's new South Wales women's rugby league from you know top to bottom. Mm. Um no I I think that it's a real opportunity and and we've got the right uh mayor in place to really push it hard. The knights are right behind it. The NRL seem pretty happy with it. I know PVL has said some really good things about Newcastle's uh love of women's rugby league. No, I, I think that this is a chance for it to shake. Bring it here every year, and every year we'll get 30000 In the years, New South Wales gets two games. They might do Newcastle and Sydney, but I think mm. Newcastle will get one every year. What about Newcastle-Wollongong?
0: Wollongong's too small. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I've got to be honest with you, mate. It, it's a weird game, rugby league... I think this is genuinely most excited I've been... No, not most excited. So I'll I retract that, because most excited sort of sounds um, very like flaky. It's like, oh... But I'm really enjoying the game at the moment, and I don't know if that's because the Newcastle Knights are um not dysfunctional. Because I've got to admit, I'm I much prefer the online slander about the knights being that we're frauds who are lucky, as opposed to the fact that we're a basket basket case that should be folded. Like you know, the idea that we're at least performing to the extent that people can drag us down, it actually hits a lot softer than the truth, which is that the lucky the knights are lucky to exist. So I don't know if it's because the knights are a little bit more stable at the moment that I'm just, I'm enjoying the game. But the other thing that I did, and man, I'm jinxing the fuck out of the game by saying this. But it's nice just to be reading the game in a positive light in the coverage. Like the talk is about what are the strengths of the draws or what's your team doing right or wrong in recruitment as opposed to... You know the latest scandal for off-field behaviour, or you know the um, the uh, you know your club is is being investigated for X, Y, Z, and you know what I mean. Like it's just nice to let the game sort of speak for itself in terms of um, uh, that sort of interest level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we know the media muckraking. So anything that was happening behind the scenes would be on the front pages, and mm. it's not. It's it's absolutely not. We're getting these rubbish. You know. Uh, recruitment stories because there's nothing else, you know. So mm. the, and I think and I think that you know, as much as those clickbait recruitment stories are annoying, it's still a positive for the league. It's still drawing attention to you know, the to, to star players and when whatnot. It's um uh, it's- <laughs>
0: It's so fun. Yeah, this is how desperate they are for clickbait. Molly's just posted a photo from the 97 grand final going, what just happened, peeps? My God, he is so hard up for content at the moment that he's. that's what he's posting to try and generate clicks. And that's a good thing. Like, that's what's good about the game at the moment. We are not... Dishing up this controversy to give yeah. those types of parasites these easy hits. um, Oh fuck, that is hilarious.
1: Oh, Molly definitely got the rah rah from Channel Nine. that He needs to click up his engagement because ever Absolutely. since, uh, maybe maybe a month out from the finals, ever since then, he's just yeah the clickbait crap that he's put on. Mm. Yeah, whether it's Steely Clarky stuff or whatever gambling <laughs> stuff. Yeah, he's um yeah. <laughs> I, I want
0: to do. I do want to talk to you very quickly about. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked very positively, I guess, about the game. So it might be a little bit ironic that we finish on a less than positive note. But um, I guess the one bit of controversy that our good friend Molly did try to drum up. Uh, was the night's reaction to news that uh, KPP, um, our, one of our stars off-season signings, has been playing uh, with injury, with foot injury all season, to the extent that... Uh, we're now going to have to foot the bill for uh, surgery, not so much from the expense side or the financial side, that's the disappointment, but the fact that it looks like he's not going to get a full pre preseason, um, I think that's disappointing. And I will say that, again, the muckraking element of it was it felt like a really weird slant to make out like the Knights were a bunch of whingers over this when I'd be very curious to see what the reaction would have been if it had been a, a Roosters or a Melbourne player that had, been, that had been sent over damaged um, after being signed, but yeah, that, that's obviously a disappointing outcome. KPP um, uh, continues that long tradition of uh, British imports that are injured for us, um, but it shouldn't be—it shouldn't hold him back too much. It, sh- it sounds to me like it should be a simple surgery that's just going to, you know, uh, pause his start as opposed to create long-term um, long-term problems with his integration into the team.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where the Knights probably could have um, not got the surgery and you know and tried to manage him through it for another year, which he did this year. But they've just gone. Well, we've got him here for three years. Let's get it done. Let's get this preseason. You know, we know it's now the preseason's going to be interrupted. But let's get this sorted. The Knights' disappointment wasn't anything other than the fact that they felt they'd been lied to. You know, they they'd been they they'd known about the injury. They. would and they'd been lied to about how severe it was. Um That was the thing. And there wasn't whinging. The Knights didn't come out and complain. There was no, you know, boo-hooing about Wigan or anything. Apparently from, you know, the media reports, you know, the, the Knights had let Wigan know they weren't particularly happy with how they'd been treated. Of course they were. They're professional companies. They're professional organisations. You know, even other like, company you feel you was know, done you wrong you of course you let them know you don't just let them walk all over you
0: mm. um
1: but the knights haven't winched about it you're right If mean, even the roosters or any of those clubs especially brisbane could you imagine the winching coming out of brisbane <laughs> the conspiracy theories um no it's just it's, it's it's unfortunate it's going to slow me down yeah but all reports are it's, you're right it's a fairly simple surgery it's you know it's not one that's going to keep him off his feet you know too long you'll get some sort of preseason, and he'll just you know He'll just start his season a little bit later. He'll probably, you know, hit, maybe hit the ground running round sort of three or four rather than round one, and probably game a couple of games in cup to get his fitness up. And he'll be away. But you know, like it's not like the Adam Elliott one where he what round ten. I think we saw him after that um, yeah. first round, round one. You know, where he wasn't anywhere near ready. I don't think it's anything like that. Um, and I'm not worried. You know, like I, we've got plenty of back back row depth. Bill Lucas will start start the season on that edge. You know, we've got Creeks. You can play edge in the in the squad. You know, there's plenty of guys around that can fill those
0: uh, holes until KPP's ready to go. Hey, mate. Question without notice, because this so likes seems to record recorded. I can't remember if we spoke about this or not. But I mean, dicks on the table, sort of thing. Where do you see? Where, where do you see Jack Cogger fitting into this team going into 2024? I mean, for starters, is is he does he come into the starting 17 next season?
1: Um. No, I I I think I don't think you'll start the season in the 17, but I think you'll finish the season as a starting five eight.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Because I just – there's a part of me that actually does wonder, did his grand final performance um, sort of create havoc with our plans? Like, you know what I mean? Like, for a player – let me put it this way. If you take a player who did what he did in the biggest game of the season and you don't use him to st- – you need to have really good just. You suddenly have to have really good justifications for that, as opposed to well, we're bringing in this really good halfback who we think was going to add depth to. You know what I mean? I just, I just do wonder if he's complicated matters in a good way.
1: Yeah, if you, can, well, you can't. The Knights can't drop Gamble. Like uh, Phoenix has to be in the in the 17. Um, Brails is club captain. He's going to start at hooker. Yeah, you, you know, at the end of the day, he's has he's one out to start with because. It would be an absolute travesty to to um to push aside either Phoenix or um or Tyson, yeah. straight up, you know, like it's yeah. just, and that's not the sort of you know, and that that's where you do create a bit of a a bit of a uh, rift in the playing group, you know, where the you know the players sit there and see their mate, the, you know, the went the especially Phoenix, who played yeah. you know broken for three quarters of
0: the season, and who just and, extended, who just yeah, extended right. with yeah, the
1: club, exactly right, you know, and um. But no, I, th- I think you. I think um, he'll start out of the 17. Assuming the, the entire spine's available, I think he'll start out of the 17. But it, it inevitably, we're going to get one or two injuries in the spine anyway. So he's going to need to fill a hole somewhere. Um, no, I think uh, I actually spoke to a in the DMs on Twitter to a guy I follow a fair bit, who's uh, a hardcore Penrith fan, watches every game, every game in you know, every grade, and I said, you has the um, has the idea that?" Um, Jack improved greatly, Being over overhyped simply because he's in that Penrith system and it all works well. And he goes, no, he goes, no Jack's genuinely playing good football. And he said that, um, no, there's no real issue with, um, with you know, the worry that can happen coming from a big club that a player would drop off out of that system. Um, no, he said that Jack, you know, he hadn't really trained in a lot of You know, he hadn't really trained at hooker, you know, but just come in, could play hooker and he's just, one of those guys that was a late bloomer and we all saw him as you know as a kid of the nights and he had the talent but he never you know, he was never there and but that that seems to be a fairly common thing for spine plays and especially halves that not many halves now that are that um that really hit the ground running as kids, you know, you've even got, you know, your really hyped ones, you know, your your big names, um yeah, coming to first grade, everyone thinks well these guys are going to be stars, and within two or three years they're either being moved club or they're out of first grade completely. But no, I um I think that the Jack um will be the long term five eight, and he'll um provide a nice little uh, a nice little bit of experience there next. You know of how of how winning culture is, and yeah, we'll work, yeah. We'll, work we'll work well with Jacko. And I think KP will appreciate having another guy there that, um, that, yeah, you know, he can talk to and bounce a few ideas off.
0: Um, And I I absolutely agree with uh, every word of that. I uh, I just think it's interesting, particularly for – I mean, again, you you always want to try and look forward, but you you don't want to completely forget where you've come from. And, again, I think there's a part of me that's just enjoying seeing – we said it this season. It, it, some thinking behind our recruitment, and again, that seems to have been a bit of a cornerstone. With um, with you know, again, since Peter Pars sort of come in. Obviously, not the the English recruits; they were before his time. But um, you know, so that's but, the other one. Will Price, you know, like can, can you see a place that Will Price fits into the team? At well, the uh, this is the th- yeah. The, and uh, funnily enough, this works against my argument. Is Will Price the reason maybe the club is a little bit? More comfortable with potentially Bradman leaving. I'm not saying that Will Price is at that level, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a like for yeah. like fit, but all of a sudden, maybe we have a it's bit Will, of. Debt.
1: The guys at like Will Price are why the club won't throw stupid money at Bradman. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'll actually, sorry, we've, we've forgotten as well. Is it uh, Jenkins, Tom Jenkins, that um, was Tom officially. Jenkins, yeah. Yeah. yeah that we've, uh, yeah. we've officially signed, signed as well. So. Um, yeah, we... we the, the club, there was a lot of guys who really stood up in Cup
1: late last year, which have yeah. now either hit development contracts or the bottom end of the top 30, who I think have all got potentially first graders. You know, you know
0: what's uh, funny... So I,
1: th- I think there's plenty of depth there now.
0: You know, it is... What, you know what's funny, though, Brett, uh, Brent, is that you, you talk about turning points. Funnily enough, I really do think the, the club probably had three turning points... For the men's team in 2023, two of them were losses, but one of them actually was a win. So I, I, you're right, you're absolutely right. That Parramatta game was a turning point, where I think you know Andre Saina to Kalen, Well, that's the worst I've ever seen you play in any level. I think that was a bit of a a bit of a sign for for KP. I think um, the Panthers' loss as well, where again this probably revolves too much around KP. The idea that um, I'm sick of losing, and I think the team was sick of losing at that point. And they subsequently didn't lose again until New Zealand. But you want to know what, funnily enough, I think was another turning point for a club was that uh, round 26 win against the Dragons. Yeah. We were a depleted team away from home against a team that we love to lose to in a game that probably didn't matter too much. And we won. And players like Riley Jones came in and they got to win their debut. I, I... I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, I really do put a lot of currency in young players being able to start their career on a positive note because I've seen so many of our players, and oh, you better believe I'm thinking front and center about Brock Lamb, Jack you know, where they were brought into losing cultures and they could not wait to get out of it. And so I just think, you know, that round 27 win against...
1: You only only talked about that. You talked about at St. Helens, you know. It was so nice to go to a winning culture. Mm. And I, I
0: just think that young players being around that and going, oh, winning's good fun. And what we're doing yeah. is paying off. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go into preseason so I can do more of that. I just think those those three games, and again, they really do revolve around the result as opposed to the process. They re, they revolve around an awful loss, a close loss, and finally getting the win. Those are turning points for this, this club and this team that sort of says, well, this is what we're about. We are about having good processes in place. But the win is what matters at the end, and that's what we're going to be going for. And, um, yeah, again, it's probably another bit of evidence for me that just says, Knights fans, let's go into 2024 with um, confidence and expectations that are high expectations that should be achievable.
1: Yeah, I um, just quickly on the uh, – we, we sort of skipped over it. Ron Griffith's going to the Cup team. Um, I think that's a, a direct result of the fact that the club are really confident in this generation of players. I think they saw something late in that yeah, season right. and late down the NRL season where they went. We've genuinely got 20, 20 to 25 first graders here. We've got a side. We've got a side that we can build. You know, I'm not saying we're going to be Penrith. You know, that's they're once in two generations how good they are at the moment. But we're a side here. We can genuinely build a twenty-five men squad that are all proper first graders. And I think that was mm. the big, big part of getting Ron into that cup team. was, you know, a coach with his Experience and skill, and just genuinely, yeah, you know, good, good, being a good human, yeah, you know, tr- treating the players the right way, being a player's coach, is what the club sort of need now to, to close that gap between cup and first. Has been astronomical. The gap, you know the, the gap in at the standard of play between cup and, and first grade but um no I I really 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 think that the most important part of late in that season was you're right was that George game proved to us that we've got you know a lot of guys that can play first grade. Uh, we did lose Aaron Keeley. Uh, he, I don't know he signed for 25. I don't know whether they'll come going to release him I suspect they might. Um, we did lose to Doug Iron, which is unfortunate, but you can't keep them all. But, no, I think that that gap between Cup and the bottom end of your first-grade squad is the
0: smallest it has been in, yeah, you know, since the golden era, really. Can we – because you've opened that up. We weren't going to talk about this, but I, I actually want to flesh this out just a little bit more just before we do um, sort of sign off. If only because, um, um, you know, we, we make some outlandish statements at the best of times – no. Hello, top, hello, top four in 2022. But because um, just on the reserve grade uh, team, just so that we don't sound like we're absolute morons who know nothing about anything outside of the NRL, we are very much aware that the Newcastle Knights finished second last this year uh, with a points differential of minus 233. Okay, so it, it is not lost on us that we actually only won eight games um, out of uh, out of 24. But your point is more. It, the way the club finished the season, like the the, the whole men's sort of uh, program, because we were rock bottom going into the second half of the season, and uh, we actually, funnily enough, only finished four wins out of the eight. Um, given the way that we finished the finished off the season, and you know the way they were getting some cohesion there, so um, it, it, as much as you want to look at a team that ran second last with the worst defence and the worst points differential, and say, oh no, they're going really well. Again, it was a lot like the NRL team, and that you know there was something that happened in the middle of the year where everybody turned it around and they showed that they could go forward as one one unit, one club. Yeah, the middle in the
1: middle point of the season, the club clearly went. Any guy that we don't think can play first grade is not playing in this team. Yeah, because we shipped a lot of guys out. We brought some guys in from other clubs that were that we thought had the potential. Um, the big the big winger from the Cowboys, who's now on a development contract again. Uh, for next year. Yep. Uh, you know, we brought a lot of the, our best Jersey Flink players up to play cup. Um, no, I, I think it was a line drawn in the sand and that midpoint of the season where the cup season was dead. They were, you know, they were running last finals around. We, we don't think you can play first grade in this club. You are playing in our cup team. And it made a huge difference because I watched, especially when all those Sunday games at home, I went early and watched all those cup games where the cup team was playing. And, but they didn't and always it was tough
0: getting your text messages as well as they yeah.
1: were playing, I and mean, yeah, we didn't, they didn't always win, they didn't won a lot of those games. Mm. But some of the football they played was outstanding. Mm. Um, you know, we just, and it was, it was like, similar to the first great team game, you know, it was expansive, free flowing, great rugby league. And I, I reckon a lot of those guys got a lot of confidence out of it, and they're guys that have really started to you know, hit the ground running in their pre season for twenty twenty four because, you know, they're the guys to come are the first guys to come back um, you know, early November. And um, you know, they've already hit the, they've already sort of um saying some pretty impressive things in terms of the numbers coming out of the club. No, I, I really think that there was a massive, massive line drawn in their sand in the middle part of the season in both squads and just went, if we don't see you as a long term player of this club, we don't we don't want nothing to do with you. Um and yeah, no, it um, it really was noticeable. As I said, with guys that are your sort of your typical New Knights Cup players, where they you know they're they're too good for local league, but they're not good enough to play NRL, and they mm. just play the Knights Cup team and don't do much. Mm-hmm. Most of those guys got shipped out the door.
0: Can I uh, can I ask you something? We sort of overlooked it a bit because I don't really want to talk about Dom Young any more than I have to. Um, I mean, first of all, do you think do you think we're going to sign your shadow car? Yes, of course I do. Absolutely. But the thing is, if we don't, if for some unfortunate set of circumstances, um, that doesn't pan out. You know, uh, this is a little bit of a hot take, but uh, knowing Adam O'Brien the way we know Adam O'Brien, it's actually not that hot. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw saw a lot more of Inari, Inari Tuala in first grade next year, just taking that sort of wing spot left by Dom Young. Um, whichever side of the field he sort of winds up on, but I'm going to assume he'll um, he'll stay on the right. I, I can actually see him taking that spot and you know being more than solid enough where he doesn't lose it again for the rest of the year. Because he was great this year in first grade. That's the thing. And he was playing in this team that was getting flogged with regularity in the New South Wales Cup. But every time he played in the NRL, he was you know he was great. And uh, I just yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Nara he's he's extended with the club, so he wants to stay. It wouldn't surprise me if he puts in a good preseason and uh, he's rewarded with um, some early season games in the NRL, and um, he you know he keeps that spot in the seventeen again.
1: Yeah, they'll will have to take that jersey off him. He'll, assuming we don't sign Fox, he'll start on on that wing ahead of Jenkins because he's hurt the right side of that wing, mm. and it's, it's going to take something for him to lose his spot because because he was he, great uh, against
0: the Dragons, he, he was he so would, good.
1: He was great in cup. He played centre in cup, and he was captain for a lot of the games. But he was great. You know, he, he was talkative. You know, because we all sort of think Nari, you know, bit of a uh, bit of a quiet quieter player. But in cup, you know, he was he was plenty loud, uh, directing the boys. When even when he was uh, p- playing first grade, you know, he was always out there watching you know, the cup boys. You know, like though his, though his children, you know, watching them, mm. keeping an eye on them. Mm. And um, now he he's such a great club in Nari. He deserves that jersey, and someone will have to take it off if he won't give it away.
0: Hey, just while I'm thinking of it very, very uh, quickly, um, we haven't really talked too much about um, the departures. I still think uh, Bailey Hodgson was always be an unfortunate what could have been. Um, but I do want to pay tribute to uh, Kurt Mann for his uh, service with the club. Uh, I think he's – has he been announced as signing with yeah, the, yeah. the Bulldogs? I really do wish him nothing but the best there. I really do hope that he can get his body right and he can string some games together um, because he really does have the talent and he plays with the mentality where those are the good news stories you want to see in uh, in rugby league. I'll, I'll always be sorry that it just didn't quite work out for him the way I think it should have uh, with um, in Newcastle. Yeah, no, Kurt is you know, been a warrior for the Knights. You know, mm. and let's
1: not forget he, you know, the Knights are his first club, you know, he come and came down from Queensland the Knights Junior. So he's sort of you know, so he's he's been at both ends of, at the club, but yeah, he's been a warrior. You're right, he, his body's let him down. That's because he's you yeah, know, he's a thin frame and he plays, you know, a physical sort of style of rugby league. Um, no, i I nothing but respect for Kurt. It's a shame, you know. He could quite easily be the position Phoenix is in at the moment, you know. He, he, mm. his body held up, he probably get a good starting hooker. Um but it's just the way it's out you're right i hope he does um have some success at the dogs it's not against us
0: i um I, and i because I, I i do want to step on the point as much as i can um you know i think i think adam o'brien actually um personally named him and paid tribute to the support that uh, that kurt offered to him i mean they obviously had a relationship from their time at the storm as well and um it really does sound like kurt is the type of player that you want uh, at your club you know from that culture perspective from that leadership perspective funnily enough you know notwithstanding the, the the toilet unfortunately the toilet cubicle incident will be something he'll probably be remembered for more um but from what i understand what he you know the things that he did for that the, our club uh off the field as well he was a, a really important part to the journey that we're going on now and um yeah i i really do wish him nothing but the best he um he deserves to have uh, a bit of uh, good fortune fall his way but as you said Please, not against us. Hey, mate, um, as usual, I say this almost every time, we've ended up talking way longer than we uh, we needed to, but just this just... Oh, sorry, we, we intended to. There's just something about the Newcastle Knights. It just brings the best out of us.
1: Yeah, we haven't spoken for so long, mate. Like, let's be honest, we've probably been gone for nine hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Um, we do always appreciate um, everybody's... Uh, know participation and feedback that we do get get um, so please don't be afraid to um uh give us your thoughts uh, on the socials or um you know send out send the thoughts our way if there's anything you'd uh, like to be discussed um bretto i'll let you get back to your day though and um yeah talk to everybody soon thanks much